Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek. That's C. That's Brandon. We're talking Back to the Future Part 2. Personally, it's a movie that I loved and then I hated. And then I watched it again last night. And it's mid. It's the same exact movie as the first one. Exactly! Well, yeah, which is on purpose. I mean, it's literally the same as that movie as the first one. Yeah, That's literally. Of course. But, I <laughs> mean, in the midst of it being the same exact movie, there's also beautiful tech or uh, uh, technical advancements Achieve- that were made yes. in this movement and, and achievements that were made in this movie that once you see it and you're like, damn, that was done in 89? Like, okay. Yeah, this movie set the stage for a lot of the, you know, action movies, superhero movies and things that we have now. It basically there's mm-hmm. a lot of technology that was invented for this movie that reflect that was come will come back to be used in like most of the movies that are made now. Shit, movies, Orphan Black. Well, yeah, TV shows, too. Yes. <laughs> Orphan Black. Without this, Orphan Black does not happen. Because that the technology that they designed so that they could have two the same person in the scene, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that was mind blowing back then. And I feel like they've been doing that since the seventies, though. Well, so they've been doing one person plays two parts in the same scene since the dawn of movies, but it's always been where A you body can double. No, not, no, no, same as that actor. But it's always where you, if you look close enough, you can see where the line is. If even yeah. you know, like where the crossover between the two pieces of film is, you can always mm-hmm. find it. And they're always standing like five feet or more apart. <laughs> it's always a media <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah. Like what what they did in this movie essentially is like Zemeckis between Back to the Future's one and two, he made Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a movie where you have people interacting with cartoon characters and the cameras moving and doing, you know, dollies and zooms and everything cameras doing regular movies. But how they did it is they basically invented this special effects camera that shot, you know, like 70 millimeter footage. And they would take the things to ILM's gigantic optical printing um, machine and basically married it to pieces to film together. So in this oh. movie, you have, you take the camera, they fit in the camera to basically you film it the first time. It records the movements and based into a computer, and basically the computer moves the camera the second, and the third, and the fourth time, so that it's the exact same camera movement. So when they take the pieces of film and put them together, they can basically create masks that will still fit together no matter what, and they can do more complex things. They can have Michael J. Fox play himself, his son, and his daughter all in the same shot eating pizza because they filmed it that way, and the pieces all matched. They can later on have uh, for, um. Eddie Murphy plays Sherman Clump and Buddy Love, which mm-hmm. uses sort of the same technology. You can have now, you can have, um, trying to think of a movie like more recent movies that were like, I mean, you can do all these things now because Back to the Future Part Two basically translated what was done on Roger Rabbit into what can be done for live action movies. So I got a question Has mm-hmm. any movie ever gotten the future remotely close to right? Ever? No. <laughs> Never I'm will. I don't think no. I think Blake. I think that I think that if a movie came out now 
and it was based on the future, I think it will be a grimmer future than what they did in the 80s and what they did in the 60s and whatnot when they were just like, oh, yeah, the progress that we made between, like, the 20s and the Mm -hmm. 80s. Well, if we keep going in that era, in that in that frame of mind, and 60 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, cars should be flying. Because right. if you really think numbers- about the, the, the expanse of, of change between, like, say, even the 50s, no, the 40s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. To me, the idea of cars flying was always ridiculous because I was, especially particularly in the 80s, in 1989, to think 2015, you're going to have cars flying in 20 in 26 years, to me seems absurd. <laughs> given the idea of, like, do you know what it takes to fly? like in 1989 they had a FAA, like to fly a a one person plane, like how hard that is, and the idea that regular ass people who can't drive on the streets can fly a car. flying through the air. <laughs> It's absurd to me. And I'm like, yo, I've never understood that trope of like, we're going to be having flying cars. Like one, I'm pretty sure if we, if I'm pretty sure we have the technology to have flying, I mean, flying cars exist, like they're out there now, but the idea that people just like wreck, like you and me would just hop in a car and just start flying. It's absurd. Like, it's um, like, like that is absurd. Somebody driving drunk while flying just does not sit well with Oh myself. Lord. That is no, absurd. No, because no. you're gonna so crash, like, then you then you're gonna fall to the ground. Exactly. I was I walking get, to school and a car just fell out the sky and landed on me. It does not sit well with me right. either, honestly. Right. And like the Jetsons, right? I always go back to the Jetsons, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the Jetsons takes place in like 2040. No, it takes place in 2062. It's a hundred years right? on from when it was made. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in 2062. George right? Jetson actually, I don't know if you saw the meme, his birthday is like this month, like the day he was born. Yeah, it's coming up or it just passed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a perfect example. So like in 1962, I can see why someone would be like, in a hundred years, we might have like some flying cars. Because a mm-hmm. hundred years before then, in 1862, there wasn't a car. <laughs> there was barely trains and there was barely electricity at that time. Right. So I can see someone saying that. But in 1989, saying in 2015, this is what it's going to be look like. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I really the thing did is appreciate this. Huh? Oh, no, I was going to say the thing is. Robert Zemeckis, when they made this movie, he knew that. And so the like a lot of the, the 2015 stuff is all played for jokes on purpose because he said. Funny thing is, you know, the first Back to the Future ends with the we're going to 30 years into the future. And he said if they knew they were actually going to make a sequel, they would not have done that mm-hmm. because he okay. hates the idea of making future of a future movie, even though I obviously this is probably his most one of his more popular movies, obviously, because people love the idea of the future that they, this mm-hmm. fake future they made up. So he, he is the whole anxiety of getting the future wrong. So they play a lot of it for jokes. A lot of it, you know, like they focus on things like the eighties cafe, you know, laser discs are being thrown out the door, the self-drying clothes and everything like that. But everything is basically like played up for like humor. Like the performances are a little bit cartoonier, you know, 
they play it basically over the top because they know that it's not going to happen that way, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, the Jaws thing <clears throat> is real. We do have our AR now, right? Yeah, got yes. AR. So that was kind of cool. The changing the mood in your house, like you can do, like people do that with fireplaces, like right now. Like they'll put a yeah. fireplace on the screen. And yeah, I feel like the script, like the the smoke, the split screen with all the things. That's basically somebody with YouTube, more or less. Now. Yeah, but <laughs> but also I Face feel time. like Face I feel like the there. the future that Zemeckis created was the future that kids saw in the eighties, and yes. they had the means yes. to make that future. So that's why the hoverboard was such a, oh, somebody needs to make a hoverboard. Somebody needs to make a hoverboard because kids saw it in Back to the Future Part 2. I really do feel like 70s and 80s kids saw Back to the Future and that really commanded where their projects were going for the next couple Mm -hmm. years. I do wish we had a hoverboard now. A real hoverboard, not one. I know. Um, oh, what kind of fuckery is this? I do not. That dude literally went up a wall and flipped. I can already see the lawsuits. Yeah. You can do that on a skateboard, though. Yeah, but he literally went like he was already in the air, and then he went even like his legs were. Yeah, I guess you could do it with a skateboard. I just feel like it would happen more often as people were learning how to use a hoverboard. It's kind of like driving a car in the sky. <laughs> well, I can do it with a hoverboard because it's only like six inches off the ground. So it's not terribly different than being on the ground. I mean, the fact that they put out something they call the hoverboard and it has wheels on it, like people, for real, let's talk about this. What's that? <laughs> what is a hoverboard with wheels? The thing that all the kids have. They call that a hoverboard. Yeah, what thing? thing? The one where you lean—it's basically a Segway, where you lean forward and backwards. Oh, the Segway—they call that a hoverboard. No, yes. The, oh. Well, the one for that kids use—that is, yeah, they call that one a hoverboard. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's dumb. Um, I also appreciated <laughs> the fact that um, <laughs> Goldie Mayor Goldie's grandson was the one who was saying, I could take your old car and turn it into a flying car for $39,999. And I was like, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) I was like, to make my car fly, that's all I got to pay? Okay. (laughs) Baby, we got a flying car now. But, but, but. Yeah, I know. I know. It's dope. (laughs) But instead of a flying car, you got a Tesla. So. I do like how they had the future being a walkable city, which is like something of the past. And then we went away from it because of the automobile lobby. Mm-hmm. I was looking at, there was like some Twitter account recently. They had like all these pictures about like the impact that cars have had on how good our cities look. And they were like showing pictures, like when the cities were first being built, like not first being built, but like in the twenties and thirties and stuff before cars really took over everything. And just how like walkable everything was and like how much green spaces we had and water features. And now it's just like highways and cars everywhere. The city, we have a city out here, Davis, uh, that is fully a walkable city. Like they have um, 
dedicated bike lanes and 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 roads for people to bike on and walk on and it's beautiful and i know that sacramento is trying to emulate that uh in parts but that's really the first city that one in portland portland also is a fully walkable city um where they have embraced uh mass transit as well so they have the trolley cars going throughout the city um, yeah if you go to europe like European cities are like, if you go to Amsterdam, right? I mean, they yeah. have roads for cars, oh. but they have the canals to get around. They got the trains to get around. Like it's it's like everything is like facing each other. We can just get out and walk. It's just like completely different than American cities, which is completely reliant on automobile transportation. So this YouTube person made an actual hoverboard. This is kind of cool, but the. <laughs> problem that I had with this movie at the beginning, literally at the beginning is how they do the same thing Rocky did where they show the last few minutes of the previous movie before they go into the actual movie. Well, they have to do it for this. Well, they They have to do it with this because they they change Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, they changed from Claudia West, Elizabeth Shue playing Jennifer, so they reshot the enti- like all of her sides, so that it's you know Elizabeth Shue now. And mm-hmm. two, if you watch when Doc comes in and Marty's like, "What happens to us in the future, Doc? We become assholes or something?" They've added in a little, oh no, 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 a little like back and forth like darting of the eyes because the answer is yes, but he's going to lie to Marty to get him to come back to the past. Like they've gone <laughs> back and added that little detail in there. Yeah. So that when you go back and see, you know, 47-year-old Marty, you're like, oh, oh, shit, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, the part that irritated me. Okay, so we know that at the end of the first movie, it wasn't supposed to go into a sequel. And when it went into a sequel, that fucked everything up. Because then they were like, you know, we're just going to do a whole trilogy. So the sequel is really going to be set to build into part three, not so much one into two. So the right. one, the 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 ending of one was a flimsy entrance into two that they had to use. Um, right. Honestly, with, personally, which, personally. Which they, huh? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no. Go, said, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Honestly, I would say which they in part undo. Yes. As soon as they get into it with um by having Jennifer by knocking Jennifer out, Elizabeth Shue has no role for this movie more or less. Like they're just like, hey, we need right. you for like ten minutes. You can go back to class uh, yeah. <laughs> and sleep. Um, I was going to say the thing that irritated me or the thing that I noticed that was just like, for real. Because at the end of the first movie, they said, well, we're going, we don't need roads. Doc had to go ahead and keep that whole idea for the second movie. Mm-hmm. He could have driven down that street, like I said. <laughs> he could have driven down that street and made it to 88 and took off. He could have driven to a, a back to the mall. He could have driven anywhere and taken off and been just fine because he's in a time machine. He could have said, meet me here at one o'clock in the morning. We're going to go when nobody's awake. But instead, Doc decides to make his car hover, float, and fly right in front of Biff. Right. And Biff's not the only person who saw that. I am 100% certain. <laughs> 
Mom, <laughs> look, there's a flying mom, look, there's flames in the sky. Like that they had to get high enough to clear a house, which means that a lot of people in a lot of houses were able to see this DeLorean <laughs> and hear the three sonic booms that happen when the car fucking disappears. Yeah, but we talked about this, Rashani. I told you, I told you in Scar, one of my biggest fears in this world, in like one of my biggest fears is seeing a UFO or an alien or something, and no one believed in me. Yeah, like, he, he because that then, is fear. Because funny. then you think, because you know you saw, like, if aliens are real, right? Well, I mean, we, I mean, we all probably believe aliens are out there, but let's just say, like, a UFO actually exists, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to believe you except other people who you think are kooks and crazies. And so you go and tell your friends and your family, hey, I saw. And, and so take that into this. Hey, in 1985, hey, Jimmy, I just saw a flying DeLorean that just disappeared in the air. Get off that. They're going to commit you. To, they're going to be committed. The crazy thing about it is that... Um, the same way that that would happen and the same way that they wouldn't believe you, you're absolutely right. Um, is the same way that folks would be like, Hey, um, I came back to this time. I went back in time. And so when your kid turns eight and pisses on the carpet, don't get mad at him. Your mom's going <laughs> to notice that and your mom's going to remember it, but she's not going to want to bring it up to the, 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 the dad. And so that's why I passed away. I thought about that. While I was, you know, I don't want anybody to think, oh, man, you're you're just making that up, trying to make a story out of it. Um, but, yeah, Biff sees him and Biff is like, what the hell? A flying DeLorean. And he has to say that because 30 years later, when he sees the, the DeLorean again, he's like a flying DeLorean. I haven't seen that since. And this guy who's 76 years old Wait. is able to remember. Oh, yeah, it was in 1985. <laughs> right outside of. uh. The, the the McFly's house, right in front of George's house. I remember that. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they hop in the car. Jennifer gets really excited about how their future goes. And Doc is getting more and more uncomfortable because your future sucks. And if you keep asking me questions, <laughs> I'm going to end up lying about it somehow. So he just like, go to sleep, nigga. <laughs> Jennifer goes to sleep. Marty's like, what the fuck? Doc Doc is like, don't worry. She'll think it's a dream. We're just going to put her in a chair when we get back home. That's about it. That's her whole role. Take a nap. Wake up. We move forward. They get back in the past or they get back in the future or they get to the future. Uh, Doc has a newspaper saying what happens. Marty McFly Jr. uh, gets arrested, um, goes to court. And goes to jail for 10 years, 15 years, 10 years, within two hours of being arrested. Yeah. And Marty's like, wow, that's that's in two hours. And Doc's like, yeah, it's amazing what the judge could do once there's no lawyers. Yeah. You know what else the judge can do when there's no lawyers? <laughs> Escape from L.A. Where they're like, hey, you can either go to L.A. <laughs> or you can commit suicide right here. We have a firing squad right over here. And we have the trip to L.A. right here. And they sentence people. Immediately, Judge Dredd was sent to people immediately. Is that what you want, Doc? Is that the future you're looking for? A dystopian future where Judge Dredd's walking around looking like he's constipated, saying you're guilty. 
and then shooting you in the <laughs> face. <laughs> so Doc's like, yeah, your son goes to jail. A week from now, your daughter tries to break him out of jail. Why? Your daughter tries to break him out of jail a week from now, like she's a fucking beagle boy, gets caught, and she does 20 years. She a G. <laughs> we never see this part of her, because when we go to their house, she's just like, eh. well, you know, it's, Mar- it's, it's, it's Michael J. Fox dressed like his daughter, but she's just like, ah, eh. yes. You know, we never see this side of her that's conniving enough to go and break her brother out of fucking prison. Shouldn't she be some sort of at least a little bit of a G? Like, (laughs) we could see how Marty Jr. would end up doing this because he was a wimp. And Griff. Yeah, yeah, and he's dumb. And he's dumb. (laughs) And Griff, who might be my favorite tannin of all. Because of the way that uh, Tom Wilson modified his voice. Like, he sounded like an old school video game character. Look out for something fun! Like, that sort of thing. It just always yeah. amused me as a kid to now. <laughs> but he had Griff standing in front of him say, all you got to do is say yes, because I ain't allowing you to say no. Basically. Marty Jr. didn't have a choice. The sister, though? <laughs> That's pretty brolic for you to be like, hey, I'm going I'm to break that nigga out of jail. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to knock on the front door and I'm going to ask gently, do you guys want any cookies? When they let me in, I'm going to pull out a butter knife and say, let my brother go. We have to surmise what she did to get caught so quickly and do 20 years because it wasn't anything big like a shootout. There were no guns she in the to house. Put like a file, a, a file in a cake or something, you know, crazy <laughs> like that. And the handle was actually <laughs> sticking out of the cake. <sighs> but yeah, so Marty goes to the cafe '80s where we see a poorly done Michael Jackson headroom, a poorly done <laughs> Ronald Reagan headroom, and was that the Bishop Ayatollah? Yes, it was. Uh, what's his name? What's his? I was looking it up because like Komini uh, Ayatollah, Ayatollah like, Komini. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Have the hostage meal, have the hostage meal." <laughs> <laughs> like, are we allowed to do this? And Marty's like, "I just want a Pepsi, guys." So they gave him a Pepsi that he couldn't open. It's a Pepsi free. <laughs> Costs money though. Can't put it on your tab. You ain't bought nothing yet. Right. Marty Jr. comes in. Uh, Marty is dressed just like Marty Jr. Um, well, no. Marty is sitting there. Yeah, yeah. And nope, before that happens, old oh. Biff comes over and he's like, hey, dude, out of nowhere, out of no fucking where. Hey, dude, it sucks your dad's a fuck up. Also, my big problem with this movie, my big ass problem with this movie the idea that calling Marty chicken just activates and overrides any type of sensibility uh, the motherfucker has in his entire body. What's the matter, McFly? You chicken? Nobody calls me chicken. Everybody has a trigger word. No, he didn't have it in the first movie. Didn't nobody call nobody chicken in that first movie. All of a sudden, in the second one, Marty's whole career gets wrecked because somebody called him a chicken. How do you know he didn't have it in the first movie if nobody called him chicken? You would think somebody would have said it. 
if it's a trigger, like they would have established it. They definitely invented it for for these two movies because they needed so they because since because they talked about this in the commentary in the first movie, of course, George McFly is the one who has the big character change. Marty mm-hmm. more or less stays relatively the same from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And in this one, these two sets, he's going, they need to have his character have some sort of emotional journey to come up with that thing of like the hot, like he was always, of course, a bit hothead, but they, you know, you know, basically take the hammer and nail and mm-hmm. win this one. So but the thing <laughs> they, for they me was too much of a meal of it. The thing for me was there was no growth for Marty because even in part three, which we'll talk about, you know, next week, he's still fighting because somebody calls him a chicken. Well, at the very, 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 very end of part three is where it pays off. Yeah. So, uh, Marty is sitting there. Uh, Biff is like, your dad's a loser. Marty's like, George is a loser? Nuh-uh. And Biff's like, no. Hello, that's fly. <laughs> You're Marty Jr., right? <laughs> like, no. Yo, daddy's a loser. George McFly is a great person. Your dad's a fuck up though. <laughs> um, and Marty said left there to contemplate on what happened to turn him into a fuck up because Doc told him that there was no problem with him and Jennifer. It was just the kids. Right. So at that point in time, his son comes in. Uh, Griff is talking to Biff, and Griff's like, "I told you, Gramps." Put two coats of wax on the car. And Biff tells the same lie he's told since 85. I, 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 I've I, already done two sets. No, I'm, I'm going to do the second set right now. I'm kidding. I'm going to do the second set right now. So, and don't you move, McFly, because I'm coming for you next. And uh, Marty is playing Wild Gunman with Elijah Woods. Yeah, his first movie. His very first movie. Elijah Woods is like, oh, you have to use your hands for this? Ew. <laughs> like that's a that's like a toddler's toy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Marty's not happy about that. He goes back and said, or as he's at the uh, machine, his son comes in with one. He just looks poor. <laughs> Marty, Marty's son, Marty Jr. Marty just looks poor with that one sleeve that won't go you up automatically. Jacket that automatically. Fits to you? Yeah, but one of his sleeves wouldn't go up. He had to move it up with his hand. Maybe he broke it. Yeah, he looks poor. Like, I don't know. When we get to their house, we see that he probably is. It's probably not the best life for them. But, yeah. So, um, Griff comes in and he's like, hey, you in or you out? And Marty Jr.'s him and Han and the girl, Spike, it's like, what's wrong, McFly? You ain't got no scrot. And takes a nail, <laughs> takes a hook <laughs> on her finger and puts it into this dude's sack and lifts him, I'd say about two feet up in the air with just her finger. Mm-hmm. Oh, he should have screamed like a motherfucker. That just looked painful. I was like, oh, my dick. So McFly gets thrown behind the uh, soda counter. And Marty's like, just stay down, son. I'm going to take care of this. And he takes the hat off his head and jumps up. And he's like, no, Griff. Well, part of no, don't you understand? Are you as stupid as you are big? And Griff's like, <laughs> what's what's wrong, you chicken? Bring. 
And Marty's pretty close to agreeing to commit a crime on his son's behalf. But instead, you know, he's like, hey, what's that over there? And Griff looks <laughs> over, but he catches the punch because he's not fooled by that. Maybe his grandpa told him about that story. Yeah. And so Marty instead kicks him in the dick and shoves him into his friends and runs off. And old Biff is like, something about this is strangely familiar. <laughs> Which is they funny. go outside. Marty takes the skateboard from the little girl, makes the hoverboard, takes off. They're chasing after him again. Something about this is strangely familiar. Marty rides the hoverboard wonderfully until he gets to water and it won't go across water. And uh, Griff's like, McFly, you bojo. Not even a bozo, a bojo. You bojo. (laughs) You need power to go across the lake. And he pulls out not the mad dog, the pit bull. At first, they were going to call it the mad dog in reflection of his grandfather or his great grandfather. Mm-hmm. But they chose not to at the end. They changed it to the pit bull. And so Marty's trying to paddle across the lake with his foot. And meanwhile, Griff is telling his homies, hook on. And they all latch on because their shit ain't got no power. Hook on. And this motherfucker's hoverboard has rockets coming out the back. <laughs> big huge freaking rockets <laughs> and so he blasts off across the water with a baseball bat ready to take marty's lid off in the middle of as as they say in uh as they say in new jack city in broad motherfucking daylight That's <laughs> like, right. it's not like the square <laughs> is empty and Griff got a bat out and is winding up, and Marty just steps off the hoverboard and falls into this, what I thought was a fountain, but I guess it is really a lake because he completely goes underwater. Griff flies over him, and they fly into the courthouse, which is now the, the courthouse mall, where the clock tower is still stuck at that same time. They never fixed it. Mm-hmm. But they fly through the glass window of that, and, and the girl Spike, you can actually see that she flies into a pillar, like straight up splat. That was real. It hurt, like it hurt, too. She really got injured. She really flew into that pillar and slid down like in a cartoon. Uh, I hope she got paid extra for that. I doubt. Workers comp. Workers comp. <laughs> like, walk it off. <laughs> But the newspaper, the doc has changes. Uh, Marty is no longer going to jail. Instead, it's Griff saying, I was framed. Right as Griff is looking at the camera from USA Today bot and saying, I was framed. (laughs) Marty is also in his off time gone to a uh, antique shop. Yes. Where he buys a book, a sports almanac, a sports almanac. Uh, the antique shop is called The Blast from the Past. It also has a bunch of stuff from the 80s, like a Roger Rabbit doll, uh, Burger Time on Nintendo NES. Uh, it's like a, a video camera. <laughs> all this stuff. I just really enjoyed all that stuff. And so. And had half of it, too. <laughs> me, too. Me, too. 
And so uh, Marty tries to return the hoverboard to the little girl, but she's like, I got a pit bull, which not really, not for long. <laughs> Griff's going to get his, put, his pit bull back at some point. When he gets out, he's going to get his shit. Like, it's a coming. That should have been a deleted scene, her getting thrown into the water and him getting his pit bull back. Um, but she literally just dipped out with it. So... Marty encounters an old man uh, who asks Marty for funds to save the clock tower. And as he's saying, I will, you know, I remember that. A uh, news story pops up showing the Chicago Cubs won the World Series against the You know who the Gator. old man is? No. Do you know, who, you know who plays the old man? It's um, Charles Fleischer, who is the voice of Roger Rabbit. Really? Really? Yeah, he, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he also plays him in back in 1955. He's the auto mechanic who fixes Biff's car, who charges him to 300 bucks. Which was a lot for 1955, I thought. Yes. Like, Biff was right to be upset about that cause, because 300 bucks in 55, the... F- hmm. So, um, Terry's like, I wish I could have put some... I could go back to the beginning of the season to put some money on it. Marty's like, what did you say? Terry's sure I'll say it again. I wish I could have went back to the beginning of the season and put money on it. And uh, Marty thinks about the sports almanac. So he goes back to the blast of the past store and buys the great sports almanac, which only goes up to 2000. So it can't, you know, <laughs> we're already past it, but you know. It, it, it said 1985 to 2000 on the cover. No, 1950. 1950 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is 1950? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, on his way back out of the store, he encounters Doc uh, landing the DeLorean. Um, but he's explaining to Doc that the uh, why the crowd is gathered up at the courthouse. And Doc is at first uh, put out that Marty Jr. showed up. He's like, I had to do this because Marty Jr. showed up. And he was like, of course. I had to use some of the sleep inducer on Jennifer. Um, but then the two realize that Griff's going to jail and Marty's family is saved. And they are about to get into the car. But then Doc finds a sports almanac. Now, here's the second thing. At the um, end of Back to the Future Part 1, I believe Doc says something about going into the future and seeing the next 50 World Series and getting their scores and everything. Why you want to know the next 50 and then come back to the past, Doc? Huh? Huh? <laughs> like you real mad about you you real mad about Marty doing something that you suggested first, Doc. That's all I'm saying. That's it. No, Doc just wants it for the sport. Does, Marty he, wants though, to make does money. Doc look like a person who does sports? Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he does baseball. I enjoy baseball. It's an American tradition. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, Marty, we cannot use the time machine for financial gain. As a matter of fact, because of this, I'm going to break this motherfucker up as soon as we get back home. And he throws the almanac into a nearby trash can. And that's when Bip is like, a flying DeLorean. This reminds me of 1985. And then... He hears Doc say loudly enough, we are not going back in the past so you can use this for financial gain. And Biff's like, that sounds like my kind of party. So (laughs) 
Doc picks up the almanac, about to throw it into the trash. But unfortunately, as they look up, they see Jennifer getting arrested by two local police officers, one of which is Robert Zemeckis' wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, They overhear that they're taking her back to her home in Hillsdale, or Hilldale. uh, So the two take off in pursuit. Doc, instead of throwing the almanac into a robot trash can, throws it into a regular trash can that's literally like two inches away from the robot trash can, giving Biff enough time to come out and just yoink it right off the top of the trash can pile. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer wakes up on the couch, or or, yeah, in the McFly house, uh, and she hides in the closet. Um, She (laughs) sees the family prepare for dinner, and she tries to run for the door, but there's no doorknob. Right. So she don't know how to get out, which would agree. That's close to accurate. Now we like my door. I don't have keys. I have a electric door. I mean, mm-hmm. smart lock. So it was close. Smart locks are so dope. <sighs> so we were at a hotel when we were uh, in LA and they had smart locks. And so that was the first time I used it. And it was very, very choice. Problem was, I was like, if the kids lost their phone, though, they'd be locked out for the end till the end of time. And I have a garage <laughs> door opener app that I can open the garage at my house. I've done it as far away as Seattle, but I don't know if they'll let you do it with the smart door lock. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can. Okay, then that's what I might need to look into because the front door, them kids ain't got shit for it. Maybe when we get the next house. Anyhow. Um, their daughter Marlene, who's Michael J. Fox, greets Grandma Lorraine and Grandpa George, who is no longer played by Crispin Glover because Crispin Glover decided <laughs> that he was not happy about the way that part one ended with the McFlies being happy about financial gain. Yeah, he went into this whole thing about how he didn't like on a philosophical level and everything like that. And so when they asked him back, he said all that. And they also said he wanted more money. He wanted to be paid equal to what Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd were being paid. Why? He's barely in a fucking movie. Exactly. <laughs> why? Is he a socialist or something? Is that, why he's upset? Is that why he's upset about it? That they made money? He was so sincere, though. He was like, yeah, they... We're so happy about financial gain at the end of the movie that it just it completely threw off the whole theme of what the movie's supposed to be. And what well, did it though? It sounds like the guy that Elaine was dating on Seinfeld that was a communist and was trying to convert Kramer by giving him propaganda about working and why it's bad. Yeah, so they ended up replacing him with a guy named um Jeffrey Jeffrey Wiseman. Mm-hmm. who you always see from like a long shot or upside down or ob- obscured in some way though they when they originally wrote the upside down thing they're like was well, two it's a like a um a good on two ways one you can't tell that it's not crispin glover because he's upside down but two if we ever wore crispin glover down and he finally agreed to do the movie we could hang him upside down for a day mm-hmm. everybody's payback mm-hmm yeah. <laughs> so he had the act hanging upside down. Yeah. Isn't that huh. like they couldn't? There was 
nowadays they might i don't know if they'll make them do it nowadays they might still but like you know there's no way to like properly invert him and not have it i mean they had enough effect shots in the movie anyway so he's literally hanging upside down <laughs> and so yeah Lorraine and, and George come into the house and Lorraine's like, what happened to the 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 scene screen which was set to the scenery channel? <laughs> and um Marlene is like, Yeah, dad got mad because the repair the repairman called him a chicken. Why would the repairman call your dad a chicken? I don't So you don't want to upgrade to 4K, McFly? What's the matter? You chicken? chicken? Of of what good uh, viewing? So, nobody so, calls me chicken. Get out of my house! <laughs> and so apparently Marty treated him so badly that um, no repairman will come and fix their scene screen anymore. And Lorraine brings up how the automobile accident back in '85 ruined uh, Marty's future, all because someone called him a chicken. And he got in an accident with a Rolls Royce 30 years prior. Mm-hmm. And we think also that your mother married him because she felt badly for him, which is still mm-hmm. the beginning of Back to the Future Part 1, mm-hmm. where Lorraine yeah. initially married George because she felt badly for him. Yeah, they got married in the Chapel O' Love. Chapel O' Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, when I was in Vegas, I saw the uh, the biggest little wedding chapel like i saw it on the las vegas strip it's literally right down the way from the um las vegas sign mm. it just looks dingy it looks like you can do a drive through marriage there i almost wanted to renew my vows with nisha that's where triple h <laughs> and stephanie mcmahon got married mm-hmm. when he used when i'm stephanie mcmahon and i agreed to marry this man because he's the best with the biggest dick yeah, that was back when it was TV mature, not TV 14. Back when they were saying suck it <laughs> on screen. And Jackie's nipples were being shown on screen because that's what Vince McMahon wanted to happen. Great yeah. Um, but Marty and Doc have landed nearby, and Doc takes his dog Einstein with him to retrieve Jennifer and leaves Marty with a DeLorean. Basically tells Marty, I'll be right back. Stay the fuck here. Marty, being a sound-minded body, gets up and leaves. But before he leaves, does he close and lock the DeLorean door? Because, you know, does he... You're not in the best neighborhood. (laughs) Does he look around to make sure that, you know, there's nobody there watching him get out of this car? Because, again, you're not in the best neighborhood. Well, no. In 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 the 2030s, Man, 2015, that neighborhood wasn't bad. It was no, in the it, 80s no, it, when it, it was bad. bad. It was bad. When they when the police officers bring Jennifer in, they're like, this neighborhood's nothing but like for like drug addicts and whatever, whatever. They say three future oh. things that relate to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So they apparently they don't you know, like, and it looks a little bit, you know, unkempt. It looks, you know, futuristic, but it's an unkempt futuristic. Like the landscape, the landscaping's not very well done, you know. It don't look bad, but it don't look good. It don't look great. Basically is what's going on. <laughs> so Marty 
however, is like Squirrel when he sees an automatic dog walker and follows that. Yeah. <laughs> and leaves not only the DeLorean unlocked, but the door wide open. Like the gold wide wing is just up. Open. And Biff sees his opportunity and Shamble walks his way. How the fuck does Biff know how to operate the time machine? That's the question. Biff's an idiot. <laughs> I can see him knowing how to drive the car. I can't. Okay. And even in the future, I'm I can well, see him knowing how to make the car fly. But how does he know how to operate the time machine portion of the car? I don't see him being able to do either one of those things. And I definitely don't see him being able to control the time machine because even back in 1955, he was driving all over shrubs and shit when he was driving Biff's car home. Maybe but he, he shouldn't know time. the rules of the time machine. Literally, he shouldn't literally. know how to go back to 1955. He shouldn't know how to change the time machine. He shouldn't know how to do any of that stuff. Well, he had a time machine. He had enough time. Maybe he took a couple of weeks and learned by experimentation. But I mean, if he the hopped red, in the yellow, time green machine, system. If, he had top, if he had hopped in the time machine, theoretically, and he uh-huh. had blasted off into space, Doc had not yet, as far as we could tell, put in 1985. Right. So, theoretically, Biff would have just ended up back at that morning. Because that's the last time I was put into the time machine by Doc. Yeah, but we don't know that's, that that's not what happened. Like, he's in a time machine. He literally, like, he had all the quote-unquote time yeah, in the world true. to learn how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We don't, see, we don't ever see him learning any of this, but, like, you know, he could have taken two months. You know, he drops thing away. He goes someplace out and takes, like, a month or two, however long it takes for Biff to figure it out, learn how to use the thing. Go back to 1955 because of the Omnac. Come back. He's changed the he's changed the past and he dies. That feels like that they 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 did have a deleted scene where he comes back from where he was and they show him fading out. So they right. could have they should have had a scene where they show him learning how to use a fucking time machine, but they didn't. And as such, <laughs> but that leads me to my second thing that irritates me about this movie. When Biff comes back from giving the time machine or giving the almanac to to young Biff, because that was his whole goal and he succeeded. Mm -hmm. Why did he come back to this 2015? I'm guessing to try to. Didn't he come back to an alternate 2015, though? No. Because Marty and Dot go back to an alternate 1985. Well, I'm guessing it's like how it is in the first movie where the time ripples are kind of slow. Yeah, mm. that's what I was about to say. It takes time for it to merge into the new timeline. Right. That's why when he looks at the picture, it's fading. It doesn't just instantly change. Right. Mm. So when he gets back... The, I thought know, that was more because he was setting the future by making that mistake. So it was slowly happening in real time in front of him. Not... 50 years previous. Well, it's the same thing in reverse. It's the same thing in reverse. So when Biff goes back and changes time, it's rippling through time, and eventually it's going to get to 2015 where it changes time and we're instantly there, but it hadn't gotten there yet. Because if you think about it, Biff had only been back, what, two minutes before Marty and the Doc get back to the car and go back to 1985? Yeah. 
So they, he wasn't even back that long enough to see the changes in time. Yeah, because right. while that's happening, um, Jennifer watches as Marty Sr. takes a video call from Needles, who's flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which led me to yeah. ask myself, how fucking old are you, flea? Go figure. I thought he was much younger because in 99, he was 33 years old. And in Woodstock 99, that's when he played up there butt naked in front of a bunch of teenagers. Oh, wow. Is this in the documentary? Yes, yes. Actually, it's on... uh, Netflix, the Netflix documentary about yeah. um, Woodstock 99. Yeah, about Woodstock. It's definitely, I recommend that one over, because HBO made one with Bill Simmons as well. Oh, okay. About Woodstock. And the one about, um, the one that HBO did is also good. It is. I, I, I watched both of them. But the HBO one went off more on different tangents and whatnot, while the Netflix one focus only on interviewing people who are actually there. Like the HBO one chose to interview like Wesley Morris from the New York, uh, New York times and, and Stephen Hyden and all these other people who weren't even there to kind of riff and comment on what happened. But uh, the Netflix one was like, we're going straight to the source. So they interviewed the kids who were there and they interviewed the stars who were there and all that. So it gave them much more satisfactory and it's only three episodes uh one for friday one for saturday and one for sunday so i definitely recommend it it's it's i i really enjoyed it like truly um but yeah he was up there butt naked in front of like 14 year olds anyhow flea needles um is calling marty senior both kids are at dinner eating pizza from a rehydrated pizza which was a really cool idea actually um, Pizza Hut made sure that this they got the their brain rem- in there. Hmm? Yeah, this is the thing I remember most from seeing the movie in the theater. This uh, the pizza, the rehydrated pizza. That's that's the my number one memory of seeing it in the theater when I was seven years old. Like in the future, they'll they'll have automatic pizzas that you put it in. It's little. It comes out. It's big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's it's well, amazing. We do have, technically kind of have that. It's not that fast though. <laughs> Nah, it, but you're you're right. You're right. It is somewhat like that um, because back then they didn't really have microwavable pizzas like that. No, so not yet. They've gotten much better. Um, but while they're eating pizza, both Marlene and Marty Jr. have their basically their heads and their phones. It's just like now. And so when the phone rings, they're like, "Dad, phone, it's needles." And Marty's like, "I'll take it in the front room." And um. Lorraine has asked Marty, hey, where's Jennifer at? And he's like, I don't know. She's out and about. And Marty and Lorraine's like, how's y'all's marriage going? And um, Marty's like, you know, it's a match made in heaven, mom. We're the best around. No one's ever going to bring us down. And the way he says it just shows that there's absolutely no love left in the relationship. And it was sad to hear. Um Jennifer, young Jennifer, watched from the closet as Marty Jr. takes a video call and and tells uh, Needles that I don't I don't think I want to be a part of your illegal plan, Needles. I think I'm going to say no. The uh, Jets can be uh, monitoring this and will fire us. We'll get in big trouble. 
But he changed his mind because, say it with me, people, Needles calls him a chicken. Was Needles in the first movie? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. I thought I missed something, but I didn't. Nope. Needles just was here. Um, even though apparently they went to the same school or whatever, because they were racing each other at the end of the movie back in 1985. Um, but yeah, as, as Needles is setting up Marty, Marty's like, no one calls me a chicken. I'm in. Here's my card information. You see Needles looking over to the right, like while he's doing this whole thing, while he's setting up Marty for this job. And it turns out that he's probably, the boss is probably in the room. Because Might as be. soon as Needles hangs up, uh, Mr. Fujitsu calls, saying that he was monitoring the call and Marty's fire, sending a year fire message to come out to every fax machine. Read my fax. <laughs> McFly! <laughs> that was his email. <laughs> it goes to every single fax machine in the house. And the question was, why do y'all have like five fax machines? Well, if we, in 1985, people would ask us, why do we have five TVs? Not yeah. <laughs> and in the, in the late, before cell phones took over everything, people would have like five phones in their house. Yeah, but they only have one fax machine. You know how I know? Because we had a fax machine. <laughs> and they're all on the same phone line. So it would have been like, yo, stop tying on my phone line with that fax shit, man. Already, I got to get you a dedicated one. Uh, early 2000s. But <clears throat> there's even a fax near Jennifer's closet. So she opens up the door and takes it and folds it up and puts it in her pocket. And his mom, Marty's mom, is like, Marty, I just got a fax saying you got fired. And Marty's like, oh, it's a joke, mom. It's a joke. <laughs> These just jokes. You ever seen... A man in the shower and the soap just go down the crack of his ass. It's just jokes. It's just jokes. Mom, don't even worry about it. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Give me, give me, give me, give me some old ribs. But Marty gets fired. And Jennifer is in a closet. But Doc pulls up to the window behind her and he's like, hey, go to the door and get the fuck out. And Jennifer's like, I don't know how to open the door. And Doc's like, there's a... a thumb print just put your thumb on it because her thumb is already shown that she's jennifer so her using her thumb print will also get her out the house but as she approaches the door old jennifer comes in and they encounter each other and old jennifer screams out i'm young <laughs> and young jennifer screams out i'm old and they pass out both of them and uh, young jennifer passes out right in the dock in doc's arms and that's when he calls for Marty to help him carry Jennifer over to the DeLorean because Marty is still stumbling in the middle of the street like that was a walk a personless dog walker. That's amazing. <laughs> Marty, get your dumb ass over here and help me carry Jennifer. So they carry Jennifer back to the DeLorean. They don't see that uh, Biff has literally left half his cane in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Like the fist part, not a not a little stick part, but like the whole fist and like a quarter of the the cane is in the the the, the bottom of the driver's seat where the where the uh, pedals are. You would have thought somebody would have noticed that, but 
I guess not. Doc claims that when they get back to 1985, once again, he intends to destroy the time machine to prefer to prevent any further damage to the space-time continuum. They set the I'm going to destroy the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> they set the uh, time so circuit. For, yes. <laughs> they set the time circuits for October 26, 1985. They land right near Jennifer's house. I wonder if the director loved Adam West Batman because he uses Great Scott more than Batman did in the 60s. Great Scott Might is have. just such a great line. <laughs> it's right up there with this is heavy. <laughs> so they're like, I'm going to leave Jennifer. Doc's like, I'm going to leave Jennifer on her porch swing. So when she wakes up, it's, it was all a dream. <laughs> However, they're now in the alternate 1985 and they don't know that. So they really just put her on a random porch. Yep. We're lucky she sleeps through everything and is still on that porch when they come back to the actual timeline 85. Yeah, they, they are. They're damn lucky because, my goodness gracious. Because, I mean, two blocks over, motherfuckers is doing drive bys on Principal Strickland just because. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> Look, at least I can say in 1985, in the alternate 1985, in Hillsdale, California, white on white crime is out of control. I'm just saying. (laughs) The five people who were in that car doing the drive-by were white. The dude breaking into the black folks' home was white. (laughs) The daughter immediately yells out, Dad, rape! Dad, rape! (laughs) <laughs> dad comes in there in the book. The dad comes in there and starts breaking up all her shit to the point where she's like, Dad, quit breaking my stuff. And she grabs him. <laughs> and that's how Marty escapes. <laughs> Marty uh, goes to the principal's house and he's like, uh, Principal Strickland, tell me what year it is. And principal's like, Hey, you're the one who's been stealing my newspapers. Marty's like, Nah, dog, it's me. Marty, you just saw me like yesterday at school. And Strickland's like, the school? Dude, the school got blown up like six years ago. All this horrible stuff happened because Biff built a casino. (laughs) Yes. Literally, (laughs) every single bad thing that happens in the future is because Biff built that casino. It's a nexus point. Mm Mm-hmm. And so... We find out that Marty, um, well, Marty sees himself, or Marty finds himself watching a video at the steps of the nearby Biff Tannen Museum, which is the clock part of the Biff Pleasure Paradise and Casino, <laughs> which used to be the Hill Valley Courthouse. Um, and the video at the museum explains how Biff's Fabulous winning streak started in 1956, and it caused him to gain local power and influence those in higher power. Marty also finds out that Biff married his mother, Lorraine, and then he freaks out. But (laughs) here's something that. okay, we'll talk about when we get there. Never mind. So he's like, Uh, (laughs) Biff's gang of match 3D and skinhead come out. I would not want to be. Does my nickname have to be Skinhead? Like, 
Dude. Does it have to be skinhead? Like and didn't that, that mean the same thing in 85, 89 that it means now? I would have yeah. thought so. I would have thought so. Like, can't my name just be George? Like, do I have to be skinhead? Like, ew. So, they must have knocked him the fuck out because Marty, oh no, they were like, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And somebody says, the easy clock. <laughs> Marty wakes up and his mom is patting his head with a towel and he's like, mom, I had a nightmare. And his mom's like, don't worry, Marty. Did she get breast implants in real life? No, but she took them motherfuckers home with her because they were her they were uh, fake prosthetics of her chest, so she took them home. So none of them nasty ass men will be playing with her shit. Oh, good, good, good call, good call. Mm-hmm. You're back in the good old twenty seventh floor, and Marty's like the twenty seventh what? And wakes up, and Leah Thompson is so big. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. And Biff arrives shortly afterwards, and she's like, here comes your dad. And Marty's like, my dad. And Biff comes in, and that ain't my daddy. You ain't my my daddy. (laughs) And Biff's like, aren't you supposed to be in boarding school in Switzerland? Did you drop out again? And Lorraine is back to drinking copious amounts of alcohol and attempts to stand up to Biff and claims that she's leaving him. But Biff's like, yeah, get the fuck out. But as soon as I cut you off, you know what else? I'm going to cut off your kids. What about what about when your mama was housing shit over there at the Woolworths, huh? <laughs> what about what about when your doctor, when your when your doctor father was doing house calls at women's houses, huh? Honestly, though, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure today's probation gets revoked. And your daughter, who initially in the first script was a prostitute, but they couldn't write that in because she was pregnant. So they just took her and yeah. Dave out the story completely. Yeah. The, the scene with Dave is actually in the deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. He's like, like, just like strung out and drunk, sort of kind of around the um in the town square someplace. That's the one thing that irritates me. I have to go back and look on Voodoo to see if I have the deleted scenes. But that's the one thing that really makes me want to stick with just doing 4K and Blu-ray discs mm-hmm. rather than doing Voodoo is the fact that you miss out on the commentary. You miss out on all these extra things. And it's like, it shouldn't be that way. Right. Um. She quiets down and, and, and Biff... Marty runs up on Biff the same way he ran up on him in 55 and was like, hey, don't be talking to my mom like that. And Biff's like, you want to take a poke at me? Which is a phrase I had never heard before and have not heard since. You want to take a poke at me? And then he punched him in the stomach like it was the beginning of Double Dragon. (laughs) And Lorraine's like, okay, Biff, I'll stay. I'll stay. And Biff's like, the fuck I thought. And then he leaves. And Marty's like, Mom, that is not my dad. Where my daddy at, Mom? And his mom's like, the same place he's been since 1973. The Oak Park Cemetery. Marty takes off to the cemetery, sees the tombstone, takes a picture of it. Because why not? <laughs> and um, Doc finds him there with the DeLorean and they return to Doc's garage 
And Doc explains he went to the public library to find out more information. Doc also says while he finds out more information, he finds out about George's death, that he was murdered. And so he was like, I knew you'd show up here eventually. Eh, you know, I, I just guessed. Um, <laughs> but he's like, yeah, um, prior to the current date, some, something in the past caused the timeline they were on to skew into the alternate 1985 they were currently in. Doc is just saying this. He really knows what the fuck happened. Um, Doc also reveals that he found the receipt for the sports almanac in the DeLorean, along with the top of old Biff's cane. Doc surmises that old Biff is the cause of this, and Marty's like, nope, it's my fault, Doc. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's all you, dog. Like, you did this whole thing. Um, Doc's like, yeah, look at this picture of young Biff winning a horse race uh, set in 1958, and they can see the top of the sports almanac sticking out of his pocket. Um, Marty figures they need to go back to the future to try and stop old Biff, but Doc is like, no, because that future is now the result of that past, which means it won't be the future we're used to, and I love this. Mm -hmm. I literally love how they're setting these rules because these rules are... This set my idea of how time travel was for like the next 20 years. Yep. Like you can't, the, the alternate future and all that, I think was really set in stone in this movie. I know the last time we were talking about how the past was based off of um, Jules Verne's The uh, Time Machine. Time Machine, H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells, thank you. I thought Jules Verne's because of part three. Um, with the Morlocks and everything and H.G. Wells' book, I remember that part. But um, it was a comic book. I read it. Uh, we talked about it already. Um, listen to the first episode. Um, yeah. So this whole thing is completely like they came up with this and it literally changed the way people looked at stuff like even within the avengers endgame mm -hmm. they based that entire thing off of this right and they say on purpose that you know the rules that they're breaking in endgame as far as related to this they call out on purpose and have um don't you wait wait so it's not like bad to the future <laughs> <laughs> what to say brandon no i said exactly so yeah no i just thought that was the dopest thing in the world and i didn't appreciate it when i was a young kid but as an adult i'm like that changed the game for so many things time cop was literally based off of this rules off the rules of back to the future and all they did was added one more thing where it was like like matter cannot occupy the same space but if you go back and you change the past, this is what's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. Somebody saw this movie for Time Cop and was like, what if we made cops that could have stopped Biff with a machine gun? <laughs> We're going to do Time Cop somewhere down the line. Um, but Doc also uh, finds out that his future isn't very well because he got committed to a... Uh, mental health facility that was the most the least surprising thing about the future changing yeah except <laughs> biff how how biff for real so you're just like hey yo officer you know doc brown right go give him a visit for his own health wink wink nudge nudge 
But I guess Biff would because it turns out that he tells when when Marty goes to talk to Biff, Biff tells him everything about when he got the actual almanac. But then he's also like, yeah, and then the old man told me that if a wide-eyed old man and a kid showed up asking me about this book, I should murder him. I didn't think it was going to be you, though. But how many how many <laughs> wild-eyed old men scientists are in Hill, Hillsdale? So, yeah, we can murder George. and We can get Doc committed. But Marty wasn't surprised. I can see that actually happening. Biff ain't the smartest, but he knows Doc. So, um, Biff shows him the almanac, puts it back into a safe. While his back is turned... Marty takes a casino matchbook from a nearby tray, and before they left out of 1985 to go back to the to go to go the future the first time around, one of the things that got added was Biff saying, hey, Marty, uh, I got the, the matchbooks for my new auto detailing yep. company. Here, take one. I don't think Marty took one at that point in time. He did not. He was already uh, in the car. Yeah. And that's when he was like, what the fuck is this flying DeLorean bullshit? So, <laughs> um, Biff pulls out a pistol and Marty distracts Biff again and throws a, 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 a ashtray on that literally has razor blades on it. Like the, the ashtray is a weapon. It looks like Kung Lao's hat from <laughs> Mortal Kombat, the way it sticks in the wall. Marty could have murdered that man. bitch. and so marty is chased marty walks comes out the hotel room on the good old 27th floor and the the three henchmen are coming up off the elevator so they chase marty marty starts going down the stairs and then he jumps over the rail to the up going back up the stairs so the uh henchmen run past him like rabble 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 um and then Marty goes up to the roof. Biff comes out just in time to see the roof door closing. And he's like, hey, why don't you go ahead and just jump? Marty's like, what if I don't jump? He was like, then I'm going to shoot you. Marty's like, but the cops will trace the bullet back to you. And Biff's like, I own the cops. Plus, they couldn't trace back the bullet that killed Joe daddy. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. So, uh, Marty does jump off the edge. But when he goes to examine the body, because he's just like, hey, that's going to be dope to see. <laughs> Doc opens up the door of the DeLorean and smacks him in the face of the door. And knocks him out. This is the part of the movie where they go back to 1955. Though there's a moment of worry when the time starts to begin flashing January 1st, 1885. Mm-hmm. Doc manages to fix it temporarily and they go back. Marty notes they're leaving Jennifer and Einstein behind, but Doc claims that assuming that they're successful in their mission, the changes they make will affect the present timeline and both Jennifer and Einstein will be fine. But just like I said at the end of the first uh, show, it's still going to be... they. It's still a life lived. I don't know. No, I guess it would still time. be that. Sa- no, I guess it would still be that same branch. life. 
Yeah, no, I guess it would still be that same line. life. But the fact that they had Jennifer on that bed, on that, that chair. Port swing. Port swing. The port swing in 85. She's in that timeline. So them coming back, she shouldn't still be on that swing. No, you're no, you're missing it. This is branch timeline theory. So what this means is I love this. Come on, let's each go. Each of those, each of those timelines are their own timeline. It's what they mm-hmm. tried to explain in Loki. Yeah. So basically, at at the point where the timeline breaks off, like when Doc drew that line, right? Mm-hmm. And he drew the alternate 1985. That's his own timeline. That's going to continue on in infinity in that timeline. Michael don't have nothing. I mean, Michael J. Fox, Marty don't have nothing to do with that when he goes back to the other timeline. Mm-hmm. And the time, the timeline that they create is going to be the timeline that he lives in. And so the Jennifer that he knows in that timeline ain't never going to be on that bench. So who cares? But she's on the bench. That's system. what I'm saying. She should. You're absolutely right. She should never be on that bench, but she is on that bench. It shouldn't that be that true. way. What do you mean she's on that bench? When, when he they comes come back, back because I know three. you haven't seen part three. I know. But I'm going to spoil oh. that. I'm going to spoil that for this conversation. At the end of part three, he comes back and Jennifer is still asleep on that bench. Oh, okay. So maybe that happens in every timeline. Yeah, it's That's just, also it's, a possibility. Which Doc does say cheerfully, like, maybe it's just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> when he's talking about, man, he went back to this time, this right here, like right after we, right after the, the lightning struck, and maybe it's a coincidence. But nope, what happens is they get back to 1955. They hide the DeLorean behind the Lion of States advertisement again. They don't cover it up with bushes or anything again. Um, they tell Marty to go get some money or to go change his clothes, and he puts on a secret agent man outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Doc tells Marty that he has to find young Biff and tail him, but not interfere with old Biff giving his younger self the almanac. Because old Biff still needs to bring the DeLorean he's stolen back to the future. Right. Doc also cautions Marty not to run into his younger self or his other self, since Marty's other self will be at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance that night. Mm-hmm. And the 19, 1955 Doc will be prepping for the Clock Tower lightning strike. Uh, Marty manages to get the clothing and tells young Biff to the Western Auto Store near the courthouse, where Biff haggles with Terry? Yeah. Over the $300 price of the cleaning of his car, and Marty hides in the back seat. Terry also tells Biff, "Hey man, I couldn't start your car." And Biff's like, "Yeah, there's a it, there's a secret way to do it. You gotta you gotta you gotta be me, basically." Biff then sees Lorraine and his, and her friend getting her dress for the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, and goes to sexually harass Lorraine like he always does. Mm-hmm. Lorraine, he tells Lorraine, "I'm gonna give you the honor of taking the cutest guy in the school to the dance." And Lorraine's like, "I'm going with Calvin Klein." And Biff's like, nah, you should go with me. And he's like, we're going to get married one day. And Lorraine's like, I wouldn't marry you if you had a million dollars. When they talk about Biff making his uh, his his fortune, they say the first thing he did was won a million dollars. He won a million dollars like. Couple of years. Yeah, the first time out. This was the reason why Biff went back in time to this point. It wasn't a coincidence. It was because right. he remembered 
Lorraine telling him, I wouldn't marry you even if you had a million dollars. Let's go get that Millie. Let's right. see what happens next. <laughs> so, um, Biff chases Lorraine and her friend off. Like, they're literally running down the middle of the street. Nobody's looking at them. Nobody cares. Me Too is not yet a thing. He turns around and old Biff is sitting in his car. He's like, what are you doing, old man? And Biff's like, get in. I got something to show you. And he starts up the car. And he's like, how'd you start my car? And Biff's like, I got a lot to show you. Just get in. Old Biff fucks up his grandma's hedges. Drives back to his <laughs> grandma's house. His grandma Gertrude. Gertrude Tannen. He attempts to give himself the almanac, but young Biff just thinks the old man is playing a joke on him and throws it or uh all Biff's like, all right, cool, watch this. Turns on the radio and goes to a game. Uh, UCLA versus, I don't know, USC maybe. He's like, Biff's like, yeah, UCLA's going to win this game 1917. Young Biff's like, nah, didn't you just hear they're down? There's no way that's going to happen. They're down 1617. There's like three seconds left. Old Biff is right because he's looked at the almanac and he's got the information right. Young Biff then takes the almanac, but he throws it in the back seat of the car. Marty's about to grab the almanac because he's like, it can't be this easy. And it's not because old Biff is like, look, motherfucker. What part of I'm from the future and I can help you become rich? Don't you understand? Keep this with you everywhere you go. <laughs> don't lose this. Put it in your back pocket and go with it everywhere. Oh, and by the way. And that's when he tells him about the old man and the young kid, Rick and Morty. (laughs) (laughs) But they lock Marty in the garage. And Marty's stuck in the garage until nightfall when young Biff opens up the garage doors and heads off to the dance. Uh, Right after Biff leaves, Doc pedals up on a bicycle into the Tannis driveway where he finds the garage empty. Also, we see before this that Biff is just a plain old bully. There's kids who are telling him to give them their ball back and he throws it not onto a roof, but into an alcove on a roof that no kid would ever be able to get to back in the fifties. I was fucked up. Right. <laughs> he just knocked on the door. Yeah. Have like you ever balcony. seen the sandlot? Kids were petrified to knock on random doors. <laughs> the sandlot takes place in what? New York, right? No, it takes place in just well, it might be, but it's not New York City. It's like a suburb. Not, no. <laughs> we imagine horrible things going on behind that door. Would it just happen to be the one place where the witch lived? Right. Doc pedals through town, and his walkie-talkie goes off, and that's when Marty tells him he's on his way to the dance. Uh, Doc cautions him to watch out for his other self, and Doc himself has to deal with the same. Because he doesn't realize that he's literally standing at the courthouse until he hears himself ask for a wrench from a nearby toolbox. Doc hands the wrench over to his, his younger self while keeping his identity safe, hidden from his past self. And they have a full on conversation. Biff arrives at Hill Valley High School and he took the almanac with him and Marty trails him into the school auditorium. Biff and his gang are spiking the uh, punch bowl and looking at a girly magazine called Ooh La La 
And <laughs> Mr. Strickland notices the gang who then head outside. I don't know a world where somebody will waste their alcohol on an entire punch ball for everybody to get drunk. That happens in every 80s high school movie. Yeah, that you know does. what I'm not doing? I'm not sharing. <laughs> I've yeah, always wondered, not though, like, like the men think in the 80s in high school. Yeah, I always wonder how prevalent that actually was in real life. The whole I'm spiking the punch bowl thing for that reason. It's like, you know, I'm, it's, it's a waste of alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now that, now that you mentioned like, it, Brandon, it, it, it is pretty predatory. Y'all are thinking like good people. Exactly. <laughs> These, that's why you don't that's why y'all don't get it. What they're doing is, yeah, I'm I'm no, I what I want to share my alcohol, yes. Especially with the ladies at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what they're saying. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And once you said it, my eyes. Go, oh, well, okay. And then my eyes are like, Brandon, what you do in high school? I mm-hmm. watched a lot of eighties movies. Ah, <laughs> so Biff sends his gang to find Calvin Klein, you know, Marty. And then reads through the Groly magazine. And Marty attempts to get the almanac out of his back pocket when Strickland shows up and confiscates it. So Marty trails Strickland to his office and the school administrator is getting drunk. But he hears a knock on his door, so he tosses the magazine in the office trash can and leaves. Marty rushes for the book. But he finds the Groly magazine inside the Almanac's cover, which is pretty smart of Biff. Yeah. Panicking over what to do next because he doesn't know where Biff is. He doesn't know how to find him. But then he hears George. Hey, punk. (laughs) Get your damn hands. And when I say that Crispin Glover was not pleased to still be in this movie when he was not in this movie. Oh yeah, I forgot. He sued. Um, he sued everybody and he won. He and sued like, them so hard that he put numbers to people. They weren't even names. <laughs> he yeah, suing six hundred and seventy-four people. Like and like the loss. The result of that is that like people like actors' likenesses are not necessarily owned by the studios or the movies they're in now, unless they directly assign those rights to that particular mm. movie or that whatever. They have to. That's why. If they want to make, you know, like that's, uh, for a long time, they want to make Ghostbusters video games and merchandise, and they didn't have Bill Murray's um, likeness right, so they couldn't do it for a long time. Mm. Which is for like until like very recently, like when they did like um, some the video game and all that kind of stuff. Like, but like that applies to everybody from now on. Like it was a whole thing where you know because also like Jeffrey Wiseman playing um, George McFly, he's wearing prosthetics to try to look like Crispin Glover. So, like, obviously, they're trying to imitate his likeness, the rights to which he hadn't given to them. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, Crispin Glover is kind of the hero in this story? Absolutely. 500%. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, he started off doing this. It was not altruistic at all. But in the end, he changed the game for the better for a lot of actors in the industry, and I say mm-hmm. actors meaning uh, men, women, and non-binary. So uh, right. without him, none of that would have happened. Without him saying, I want more money, <laughs> and I don't like the way that this ending was set up. Right. 
Mostly I want more money. If he had taken the money, none of this would have happened. True. That's true. Michael Jordan would have been in NBA Live all the way. <laughs> but because that didn't happen, we didn't have Shaquille O'Neal. We didn't have Michael Jordan. We didn't have Charles Barkley until they signed over. Um, Marty rushes out and watches his dad knock Biff out. And he's so happy. It's, it's like a good moment. He didn't get to see My old man's about to knock Biff out. <laughs> and um, he goes over and Mart, or George and uh, Lorraine have already gone back towards the uh, dance, gone inside. And Marty is hovering over Biff saying, back up, I'm going to give him CPR. And some nerdy ass guy is like sitting right next to Marty. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think CPR came out yet. It had. Yeah, he says he says what CPR, <laughs> but he's sitting right next to Marty and Biff, and sees Marty reaching into this guy's pocket and pull out a book. I think he took his wallet. <laughs> I think he took that guy's wallet. I think he took that guy's wallet. In the book, <laughs> in the book, that scene, they say that that guy was a geek who also was getting bullied by Biff. Uh, and so he was hoping... video for CPR was 1962. Mm-hmm. So it hadn't been out yet. So like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's on his wallet! But he <laughs> tells Biff in hopes that Biff would take mercy on him, see that he was the one who helped him out and not beat him up anymore. Wow. Didn't work, but still. Um, Marty radios the doctor. He has a book. But Biff's gang finds Marty and, and chase him off. And Doc attempts to fly off to the school, but the DeLorean hits the billboard, causing the time circuit to once again malfunction temporarily. And they also took a, a length of advertising pennants from the sign that's now stuck in the door of the DeLorean. Back at the school, Marty has managed to evade Biff's gang, but as they come into the auditorium, see Marty's past self on stage, they head to the side, um, cause they're gonna take him out. They're like, how'd he get on stage? How'd he change his clothes? They're gonna take him out once you finish playing the song, Johnny Be Good. And if mm-hmm. they take him out, then he's not gonna make it back to the courthouse in time to get into the DeLorean and get back to the future causing so, a huge paradox. See, did they reshoot these scenes or did they use footage from the first movie? When Both. They could? Both. Both. This is this is where that technology we were talking about comes into play. Yeah, there's a lot of split screens. If you watch Michael J. Fox, like the length of his hair, because the hair doesn't quite match. You can tell which parts are new, which parts aren't. Okay. And so... Marty hatches a plan that uh, ends up dropping sandbags on the heads of the the mob um, and radios the doctor that everything is fine. And Marty is told by doctor he'll be landing on the school roof soon. He's rushing outside just as past self meets Lorraine and George. And Marty then encounters Biff, who's Biff's like, you know what? I just want to beat you up. I just want to. <laughs> like, let's cut. Let's stop all this whole back and forth shit. I just want to beat you up. Okay, is that cool with you? 
Can we just fist the cuffs real quick? Can we throw these paws? Can you catch the hammer of justice real quick? And Marty's <laughs> like, eh, no, because I got to go. And Biff's like, what's wrong, you chicken? <laughs> Biff has called him a butthead before. Biff has messed up a whole lot of sayings before. Biff has said um, this is like having a screen door on a battleship when he meant to say screen door on a submarine. Biff has said, make like a tree and get out of here. He's messed up yeah. a lot of things. <laughs> One thing Biff has never said is that somebody was chicken. Right. <laughs> Until this movie. Until this point where Marty is ready to go. Like he's really thinking about it. Like, oh, he called me a chicken. You know what I actually wonder about? If the first Marty, if the Marty who went back to the future in the first movie, it got called a chicken, will he react? <laughs> but so the first Marty rushes out the door, throws open the door so hard that he knocks Marty to the ground. Biff looks at the old at the 1955 Marty running by. He's like, "What the fuck?" And then he looks back at Marty from 85 and he's like, "That's my almanac which is on the ground." Mhm. So he kicks Marty hella hard, and he's like, fuck you! And he speeds off in his car, and Marty's like, I messed up, Doc. Marty rushes to the roof, and then they uh, he gets picked up by Doc and the DeLorean. They head towards the River Road Tunnel, trailing Biff. And as Doc lowers the DeLorean, Marty used the hoverboard from 2015, which he had put into the DeLorean when they were leaving, to get closer to Biff's car. And just as he's about to recover the bit, the book, Biff notices him, and Biff really attempts to murder Marty. Yep. Trying to crush him against the wall and all that old stuff. Marty manages to avoid this and makes another attempt for the book, and Biff barely manages to avoid hitting a truck before trying to squash Marty again into the other wall. Biff is a murderer. Yes. Yeah, he's, every he's time. Hardcore. <laughs> Jesus. When, when times get rough, snuff them out. <laughs> that's that's the rule. That's that's hey, that's my go-to move. Some people do a crossover. I shoot. I'm a shooter. That's my job. So, uh, as Biff is trying to run him over again, because Marty is now in the front of the car. A string of pennants fall from the sky and Marty grabs on and he gets hoisted up by Doc and the DeLorean just in time. As Biff looks skyward, he's distracted and he once again runs into the back of the truck he almost hit in the tunnel, which is the same manure truck Mm -hmm. that once again ends up coating him and his car in foul-smelling manure. And he says, I hate manure. Doc flies Marty back to the Lion Estates area, and Marty uh, grabs a bucket that just happens to have three holes in the bottom for airspace and takes out the matchbook that he took from Biff, and Doc is like, burn that almanac. Marty burns it up. The matchbook changed from uh, Biff's Pleasure Palace uh, to Biff's auto detailing. Marty's like, Doc, it worked. We're all good. Doc tries to maneuver in the air because he's Why in a bunch of high winds. Why doesn't he just wind. drive? Exactly. 
Why doesn't he just does drop the car to the not, ground? Does the time machine not work on the ground anymore? Why doesn't he just drop to the ground and be like, man, this that wind is bad, man. I had to, I had to land real quick. But I don't think I Doc likes landing safer. like that. Huh? I think I he's trying up. to land because he's got to pick up Marty. Well, yeah, he does have to get Marty. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Oh, no. I think he's trying to land, but he's like, I'm good. He said, I have to go down the block and then come back and then circle back through again and then come back up the block. And then I'm going to see you and we're going to see each other. And then you're going to get in the car and then we're going to fly off. You got all that? Good. <laughs> like, it's a really convoluted way for Marty to get in the fucking car, Marty. Really, just get in the car. Um, he looks at the newspaper. The headline becomes for uh, Marty's newspaper. Instead of George McFly murdered, it says George McFly honored. Marty radios to Doc about the changes, and Doc looks at the newspaper he has that says instead of being committed, he's being commended. Mm-hmm. And with the future fixed, Doc prepares to retrieve Marty, but a bolt of lightning almost hits the DeLorean, but instead strikes the nearby tree. He should have just blown over the tree. Lightning don't strike twice in the same spot. Um, as Doc attempts to recover, a series of lightning bolts strike the DeLorean that then disappears from the sky. You said that the part that you remembered the most out of this movie as a kid was what part, Brandon? The pizza. The pizza. But, but well, that's number one. Number two is this. Number two is this these last five minutes or so. This last scene to me is literally everything I could have ever dreamed. It blew my mind when I saw it as a kid. It blew my mind when I saw it last night. I don't mean to say that this is just excellent, excellent, excellent work. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to um, trivialize the whole thing. But this was literally, can y'all see this screen before I go forward? Let me see. Yeah. This was literally the greatest thing I had saw at the age of nine in maybe my whole life. Is your name Marty McFly? Yeah? I've got something for you. He was awful menacing. A letter. Yep. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Western Union. Actually, a bunch of us at the office were kind of hoping maybe you could shed some light on the subject. So we've had that envelope in our possession for the past 70 years. It was given to us with the explicit instruction that it be delivered to a young man with your description, answering to the name of Marty at this exact location, at this exact minute, November 12th, 1955. We have a little bit on as to whether this party would actually be here. Like I lost. Better time. We actually had letters. Two months. Uh, well, thanks, big Doc. Here, sign on line six, please. Here you are. I love that he didn't believe the shit was actually going to happen. Right? Well, looks like I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't either. I, but would you? But would you have been the one to show up? 
<laughs> like, why am I going out in the rain? Remember, I bet against this. You go. <laughs> well, it's your shit. Well, he, well, he wanted, <laughs> no, he bet against it because somebody else could lie and True. take the money. So True. he wanted to see for himself. It, that, Good point. That scene is just so wonderful to me. So Western like, Union was founded in 1851. Yep. And their first big customer was Doc Doc Brown. It's from the dock! Dear Marty, if my calculations are correct, you will receive this letter immediately after you saw the DeLorean struck by lightning. First, let me assure you that I'm alive and well. I've been living happily these past eight months in the year 1885. The lightning bolt... 1885! September 1885! Wait, wait, Ken! Wait a minute! What's this all about? He's alive! The doc's alive! He's in the old west, but he's alive! Number 10, you all right? You need any help? There's only one man who can help me. <laughs> and so no dark. way he could read that letter in the rain with quail ink. <laughs> no way. He's it not wrong. I mean, that paper is so fucking old. It's like seventy years old. It gets hit by water. That shit should have disintegrated. Yep. He's not wrong, people. Doc, uh, young Doc, is at the courthouse watching Marty speed off into the future, and he's walking down the street in the in the lanes of fire, celebrating and everything. But as he's celebrating with his back turn, Marty shows up. <laughs> Doc! 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 Okay, relax, Doc. It's me. It's me. It's Marty. No, it can't be. Just sent you back to the future. Yeah. Oh, I know. You did send me back to the future, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. <laughs> Great Scott. <laughs> Great Scott, and he passes out, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and for this no, one, they no, do no, flash no, to not be quiet. Not quite, because we can. Then I remember. I especially remember this in the theater. The Them showing the next the little trailer. trailer for yeah, Back to the Future Part Three. Oh, they I was showed like, that in the theater. I'm yes, yes they did. I remember thinking as a kid, they've already made the third one. <laughs> So yes. when did the third one come out? What year? Six months 90? later. 1990. Yeah, it came out six yes. months later because they did not want folks to have to wait for such a long time between movies. They had to wait from 1985 to 1989 for the first movie to come out because they weren't expecting there to be a sequel. They didn't want to do that again. So they put out the next one six months later, which I appreciate. John yeah. Wick. They they also wrote, when they first did the first draft of Bats of the Future Part 2, it was 180 pages. And they were like, too long. And so why don't we make it longer and just split it in half? That was that was their idea. So like, because they originally wanted this one to come out in summer of 89. They said, well, we can give you two for Christmas of 89, but we'll give you three for next for summer of 90. And they were like, mm. okay. okay. <laughs> so the question that the question that I was asking about where Biff steals the time machine, why didn't he go back to the to the uh, alternate version of 2015? Um, which would have been really cool to see, by the way. But uh, they actually talked about this. It says here on that stupid ass show, The Big Bang Theory. 
Oh no. <laughs> Which it, it would be something that they would talk about on that show for what it's worth. Um yeah. the episode, the focus attenuation, they suggested that the reason why he didn't go back to the alternate 2015 could be like you said, because when old Biff travels forward, young Biff hasn't made his first bet yet that starts the time changing, the timeline changing yet. So they agree with you. Congratulations. You could have been on the Big Bang Theory. Oh, no. <laughs> you could have been the one black friend on the Big Bang Theory. How about it? <laughs> um, this movie, when people found out that there was another sequel to it, the sales dropped off from week one to week two dramatically. They got mad because it was a sequel? They found out they got mad because there was another sequel to it. They got mad because it was a trilogy. And they let yeah. you know the trilogy by putting the trailer at the end of the movie. Yeah. People also just got mad, Jim, because the movie doesn't end. It mm-hmm. ends on that it's, cliffhanger. And it's that a was cliffhanger. still unusual for that time. Mm-hmm. Like, like imagine how people would have reacted to Infinity War where everyone got snapped away and then the movie just ends. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Man, <laughs> uh, Infinity War has the benefit of coming out after you know Lord of the Rings and the Matrix and Pirates of the Caribbean, like like and Back to the Future. Like we were used, to, we're used to them shooting these big movies back to back, and we know the schedule when they're going to come out. So like you know, like you can kill everybody in Infinity War and ha- and know that you know in a year. They're gonna, gonna come back. Come back, yeah. Except yeah. a lot of people, because Marvel hit regular people, didn't know. Yeah, some didn't know. Somebody screamed when Black Panther um got yeah. dusted and if into were in my theater. They're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, no idea what was about to happen. That's the best. Michael J. Fox found out there was going to be a sequel to Back to the Future Part One. When he watched the VHS version and the words to be continued were added at the end. Yep. He immediately called his agent to make sure he was going to be in the sequel. <laughs> Am, Am I, I going to be in the sequel? <laughs> Am I safe? I didn't know they were making it. <laughs> right? Um, George McFly died in 1985 alternate completely because Crispin Glover refused to do the sequel. <laughs> yep. Like, we ain't going through this shit again. <laughs> we just going to murder this motherfucker. Oh, man. Um, Robert Zemeckis uh, said, like you said, that he didn't want the movie to take place in the future because he can't predict the future properly. The ledge on the clock tower to dock broken back to the future. Part one is still broken in 2015. Which tracks, which tracks, because there's still potholes in the road down the street from my house that have been here since 1960. So what the fuck? They fixed it for the ride. Right, and the so this time when I was watching it, I I timed it out. They spend the same amount of time in fifty five that they spend in two thousand fifteen in this movie. Like they they get out of the future pretty quick, even before the halfway yeah, they do. point. They do. I didn't real you don't realize it watching it the first time because you know, especially as a kid, you're so caught up in the future, like just the idea of the future that you don't feel the difference in like the timing, basically. Mm-hmm. But, like, they get out of that future real quick. So, Biff, when he gets the his cane stuck in the car in 2015, he starts to thrash around in pain. And as a kid, I was always like, why is he looking like, he, like you know, he's in pain? It turns out 
Robert Zemeckis said that in the first uh, that in the first script, Biff was experiencing the same thing Marty did at the dance in the first movie, which is fading out of history. Yeah, they shot it. It's on the deleted scenes, like his hand, the whole hand, and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, according to script drafts, Biff's wife, Marty's mother, had shot and killed the abusive Biff in 1996. <laughs> oh, good. A deleted scene in the DVD extras makes this much clearer as we actually see Biff vanish. Yep. Um. Now, we were talking about this earlier. The biggest effect that the picture empl- employs is the camera system called the Vista Glide. Yes. There are four scenes that use the effect of the same actor interacting with themselves, which is Griffin Biff uh, in the Cafe 80s, the dinner sequence in 2015, uh, 1955 Biff talking to 2015 Biff in the garage, and 1955 Doc talking with 1985 Doc. And in order to create the dinner sequence of Vista Glide, the camera had to be divided into thirds. And Michael had to come in three different times to play his older self, Marty Jr., and his daughter, Marlene. Mm-hmm. This is the first film to accomplish interaction between the same actor on the screen twice as two different characters. And if you watch closely, you'll see the 2015 Biff's hand disappears during the scene in the garage, which I didn't even notice. Uh, Zemeckis and Gail both said they didn't want to do the sequel. The open ending of the first movie was simply meant as the final joke, which is fucked up. That would have been even worse. <laughs> it's like the end of Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Oh, I never saw it. Don't. Never, <laughs> Brothers, never. never seen it. And after Don't. we did that video game movie month, never gonna. <laughs> I've seen that movie. <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater. Yuck. <laughs> mm. So just before Marty and Doc leave 2015, there's a shot of the Time Machine's control panel showing the last time departed as October 5th, 1955 at 6.38 p.m. If they had noticed this, they would have known someone had used the time machine without them. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Shue was cast as Jennifer because Claudia Wells was unable to reprise her role because her mom had been diagnosed with cancer. And I have a question about this. Elizabeth Shue had just starred in Adventures in Babysitting, a big hit movie. I love that movie, yeah. Yeah, it's a real good movie. She has no star billing in this movie. At all. She's not in opening credits. Like, you know, she's in the end credits role. Like, where was her agent? They were just like, hey, can we borrow you for a second? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I know her part is small, but she could at least got supporting billing in the thing, because she, she, she just starred in a hit movie. Brandy, you're going to love this. Both this film and Back to the Future Part 3 were filmed back to back. After filming the scene where Doc and Marty return from the future to the 1985 alternate version and drop Jennifer off on her porch swing, the cast and crew waited for daylight and filmed the scene in Part 3 where she's awakened. Yeah. That was the only scene they said they shot like during, like otherwise, like they shot Back to the Future 2 in its entirety, took a break. And then went ahead and shot three. Mm-hmm. If you read, because I have the screenplay to Back to the Future 2. It's one script. And when printed, they printed the page colors differently so that if you were reading the script, you would know what, um, and they numbered them differently so you, people know what timeline they're in, basically. The oh, script okay. is like notated by timeline, not necessarily by um, like oh, how regular pagination happens in the screenplay. 
It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Leah Thompson was the only person wearing her original outfit from the original movie because she drove back home to get it. <laughs> Production was nearly delayed because no one had the same costumes because it would be shot from a different angle. That's why I was shot from a different angle. Um, very few of the original costumes were used for production. She literally drove back home to get her original dress because she had three of them made. So that's lucky. It was really lucky. Um, Robert Zemeckis was very unhappy about the way Universal marketed the film. He wanted to be made quite clear that this film was ultimately a setup to Back to the Future Part 3. But Universal wanted to advertise it at its own Universal, as its own independent movie. This ultimately backfired when Back to the Future Part Two ends with a "to be concluded" title that frustrated many art or audiences, resulting in bad word of mouth and a dramatic fall off in the film's box office receipts in its second week. The people just like ah, and get up and not watch the trailer. I guess mm-hmm. is what happened. Maybe I, I don't know. We we were still in our seats, <laughs> right? This is this is the first post credit scene. Yes, because you know the credits happen at the beginning of the oh, movie. Oh, so it's not the it's not the very first one. The first one they said is a movie I never seen it. It's called The Three Musketeers from the seventies, the Richard Lester one. I've never hmm. seen it, but they say they did that in that movie. That's where they got the idea from. Okay, because they shot those back to back, and they had enough footage to make the trailer for the sec- for the next one. They were supposed to do that with Superman part one and two, but that, that's its own story. <laughs> so um, one initial idea for the sequel had the first two acts be the same, but the third act, instead of them going back to 1955, was going to have Biff give his younger self the almanac in 1960s, not in 1955. And wow. when Marty went back to stop him, he will run into his parents again, who are now hippies. And yep. he almost fucks up his own conception. Robert Zemeckis decided that it was too similar an idea to the first film, and George and Lorraine would have been too old to be hippies. Also, you can't get a second chance to have a first conception. Right. <laughs> they would have been too old to be hippies 11 years out of high school? In, late, in their late 20s, a little too old. A little too old. Not, I don't, not impossibly old, but like they would have been like a little over for like, for his 67 hippies, maybe like 72 hippies, but they had been in it for a while. But like, mm-hmm. I can see why he thought he might have been a little bit too old. Yeah, it says that um, there was an even earlier script, which his parents would still be college students in the 60s. And there's no way they would have been college students, basically. They would, yeah, they would have had their degree, degrees by then, unless they were on like the, the eight year plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like I am. 20 years later. Mm. The film introduces a new character trait for Marty, losing his temper and self-control when someone calls him a chicken. (laughs) Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale added this idea because they felt Marty did not have any character flaws in the first film. He wants to sleep with his mom. That's That's the flaw. Uh, Biff's alternate 1985 incarnation was loosely inspired by Donald Trump and Lorraine's was based upon Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> Who was based on Trump? Biff. Biff. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all didn't see the somebody send a meme around because, like, to carbon date this, they just raided Trump's um, estate last week, the FBI. And then somebody said the FBI found this and Trump's safe. And it's a picture of the sports almanac. <laughs> yeah, and Leah Thompson's like Leah Thompson retweeted bitch. it. She was like, she was like, damn it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Flea was touring with the Red Hot Chili Peppers when this movie came out. And according to him, flew really far away to film his scenes, and he slept for two hours the night before. He shot his scenes in one day and then flew back to the tour that night. Flea said that most of the time was a blur, save for having lost the sweater his grandmother knitted for him on the way to shooting his scenes. And that other than seeing the premiere, he hadn't seen the trilogy since. So I thought about that one. for a second, and then I re- remembered this didn't come out in 85. It came out in 1989, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers could have been around then. So this next one takes place in the Wild West. In the Wild West, because Marty, because Michael J. Fox said he always wanted to be in a Western. Yep. See, you got anything? Um, I think I said a lot of the things I was already saying. I'm trying to think of is there anything else. And I like if you, I like how very tricky and intricate the special effects of the flying car stuff is. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things where the car is flying in the air flies behind a tree and then like it lands basically like you know they they have like a flying model that they've animated and then goes behind a tree it becomes like an actual car that people are actually in there's a lot of that sort of trickery to sort of kind of sell you the fact that you know cars are flying and landing taking off and all that kind of stuff i love all of that one thing i just i i saw here in the in the trivia notes that i love the cafe 80s restaurant in 2015 Mm-hmm. It's a conglomeration of the storefront's two previous incarnations in Back to the Future, Part One. In 1955, it was a home of Lou's Cafe, mm-hmm. and in 1985, it was a fitness and workout club. Mm-hmm. Therefore, while the Cafe 80s is primarily a restaurant, there are two people seen working on the exercise bikes. <laughs> hey, hey you Joseph. keep cycling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that until just like I, I was like, are they pedaling so then the TVs will stay on? Like what exactly is happening? <laughs> but they were just like loose cafe and 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 bar grill and and gym, I guess. Like, okay. All right. <sighs> Brandon, you got anything? No. Okay. We're doing a new show on RTO. Yes, we are. And Brandon is Orphan Black, which was great. I'm really excited, Brandon. I'm going to need you to put the name of the show into the sh- into the uh, Facebook Messenger so I remember to download the episodes so I can watch oh, it work. You can download episodes on HBO Max. I'm gonna figure out a way. You can. Oh, I didn't know that. You can figure. You can download everything else. I've downloaded all of all of uh, Power onto my iPad when we went on a cruise. I downloaded um, Resi- or I downloaded Bear. And the bear and uh, reservation dogs from Hulu. I downloaded Obi Wan Kenobi from uh, Disney Plus. So it would be really silly for HBO to be the only one who can't download shows onto your phone or your iPad or whatever it may be. Oh, okay. So yeah, send me the show information so I can download those and then I can watch them. 
I promise to only watch one at a time. One at a time. You have to watch it one at a time. I promise. Scout's honor. Um, thank y'all so much for checking us out. You can uh, leave a voicemail for the show at 916-633-1537. Uh, the show's email address is hindsightreviews, R-E-V-U-E-S, uh, at gmail.com. No, actually, it's hindsightmoviereviews uh, at gmail.com. Uh, Brandon is on Twitter at that cool black nerd. Black is spelled B-O-K. C is on Twitter at B-Touch. It's a protected account, so if you try and follow him, he has will prove you. Yeah. Um, he also has a really great Facebook group called the Say Something Nice podcast group mm-hmm. in which I learned so much about movies there, like every single day, like movie news, uh, just rants. Like it is a classic place to be. And I, I urge you to check that out, but he has a little preview to join that as well. So, um, I'm on Twitter at Ratchet Book Club. Um, and the show is on Twitter at Hindsight Reviews, R-E-V-U-E-S. Um, you can leave a review for the show on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can leave a review for the show on Podchaser. Copy and paste that into the Apple Podcast app and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. Uh, you can donate to the show at Patreon.com slash Single Simulcast or on buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank y'all so much for listening. We do greatly appreciate it. Next week, we're going straight to the wild, wild west as we conclude the Back to the Future trilogy with, again, C is going to be there with us. Mm -hmm. Um, For a long time, For a very long time. I thought that I liked the third one better than I liked the second one. And I probably still do. But then I remembered the reason why I liked this third one so much was because I thought Mary Steenberg was a was a beautiful lady. And because ZZ Top was in it and their band music was phenomenal. We'll get to it. (laughs) And they had the spinning guitar. Yes. (laughs) So. Thank y'all so much for listening. We do greatly appreciate each and every one of y'all. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace.
The theme music for Hindsight is The Insider Theme by The Insider. You can find this song on the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, you 